the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 452 for Monday, June 3rd, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome. The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips, you send in your cool stuff found, we answer your questions, we share your tips and your cool stuff found, and all together, say it now, we like to learn something new each and every time we get together here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Uh, here in Fearful, Connecticut, John F. Braun, and then back up to you, perhaps, Dave. Yes, Next to me here in Durham, New Hampshire, it is bring your young podcaster to work day or uh, the family schedule got screwed up. And uh, and this is how it has to work day. Uh, say hi. Hi, I'm Skylar. Hi, Skylar. Skylar's here. She is going to talk about uh, some waterproof cases that we uh, that she actually had the opportunity to test for iPhones recently. And so we will we will have you answer those questions and perhaps provide some uh some interjecting comments. Feel free to ask anything as we right. as we proceed through. Good. I can type right. You can type to the right. chat room. Yes, if you I get may. Bored with you. If you get bored, with, oh, I see how this is going to go already, John. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's let's go to uh, let's start with some questions. Let's go to Douglas. I like this one because I didn't know the answer. But. I I was surprised by this one. Go ahead. Well, but fiddling. Uh, uh, so here's the question from Douglas. Hey, guys, I have a phone number with an option. So it's 1-800-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. And after a moment or so, it asks you to enter. Um, now, he says option number six. So I'm assuming you hit number sign in six or maybe just six. It's probably just while. six, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based, okay. based on his email, I think he just has to type the number six at, you know, after it answers. Is there a way to enter this into context? So it dials the number, pauses, and then dials the option six. I usually enter my info on OS 10. So I didn't know the answer to this, Dave. So I'm like, you know what? I picked up my phone. I created a new contact. And uh, I hit the uh, you know place where you put in a phone number. And then it brings up a specialized keypad. One of the nice things that we have on iOS that we do not have on the Mac yet, Dave. I know. Some people have tried this. And, and this... So I'm glad I picked up the phone to do this. But basically, if you're in the phone number field, when you're creating a new contact, uh, what you will get is a keypad and it shows some additional options. In addition to just the numbers, which we're all familiar with, of course, um, it also shows a couple of other options, Dave. Uh, one said, uh, let me look here. I'm sorry. So what you first have to do, so you will see the numeric keypad and the letters associated. You will see in the lower right-hand corner, delete. And then on the left side, of the numeric keypad, you will see plus star pound, which are, uh, well, star and pound are standard characters on a touchstone keypad, but what's this plus thing? But then anyways, if you hit it, you will then see an option for doing the star or the plus or the pound or pause and wait. Now what happens when you hit those, Dave, and this this actually harks back to the uh, good old days of entering modem strings, and I think this is why this is, is that if you hit pause, it'll put a comma, and I believe... That in, uh, inserts a two-second pause, which is what, when you use the comma on a modem to dial, I think that's typically what it would do. Hayes defaults with, uh, with modems were a two-second pause per comma. You could change that with right. a, by changing an S register. But, uh, but yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. For right. those of you so, that so, even before we had cable modems, we had the, the things that dialed up to other computers over the phone were called modems. Believe it or not. Right. And they had a whole command set. And the thing is, you basically said something like ATDT, which meant attention, a dial tone, and then the number. And that was a modem on the other end that then connected to, to the Internet. And then everything was the same. But sometimes you had to do crazy stuff like this. So, for example, here, if, um, if Douglas knows that the pause is typically predictable, then you could put a couple of commas. Uh, two, four, six seconds or whatever, and then hit the thing that'll activate that other option, and that, that should do it for you. Uh, the only thing is if you enter this on OS X, though, I believe it will let you. It doesn't really tell you. It doesn't explicitly define pause and wait characters in the keypad like it does on iOS. And then wait, I think what it does, it puts a semicolon in there. What that does is it'll dial, and then I think it, the, the screen will prompt you to hit a key and then do something else. So that could be another way to accomplish this. That's pretty cool. I had no idea. And I'd like to find, I mean, as far as I can see, those are the only two special characters. You know, pause a comma, wait a semicolon. I think that's... What's plus do? I I, I was afraid to touch it. Well, no, I mean, it adds a plus. (laughs) I I did it, It, but it it puts a... a, I don't know what it means in modem language or cell phone language. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I... I, um, I, I, Yeah, okay. That, That... that will remain a mystery, a geek challenge, if you will, which is good. That's good. Yeah, I had no idea. Of course, I've seen that little interface. Well, I, you probably don't see it a lot because I probably don't type in phone numbers directly into contact records on my iPhone. If I'm going to do that, I wind up doing it on my Mac. And if I'm going to do it on my iPhone, I usually and here's another tip. I go into the recent calls list and uh, and see who I've called. And or who's called me. And if the number's unassigned, you know, you tap the little blue arrow next to it and you can add it to an existing contact or create a new contact with it. And that's how I tend to add phone numbers on the iPhone. So maybe I've never even seen that before, but I probably have. And I just ignored it. It's good stuff, John. What is plus? Oh, now I'm wondering, is it for international? Maybe (laughs) It, it sounds like it could be. Yeah. I think I've seen international numbers have a plus in them. I don't know why. Yeah, but they that's do, that's more it's a con- type of pause. That's a convent. No, because it puts it. You put the plus at the beginning, like plus oh one one, etc. I don't know. I I thought that was oh, a visual oh, convention. Maybe, oh, I wonder if that means dial. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. Dude. No. People are saying this. Is it? Yeah. A lot of times they begin with the country code. So I wonder if that's a special care. Maybe it pauses after the country code. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It is a good opportunity to say hi to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. Thanks for joining us on this odd time for us these days of a Monday afternoon. So, yeah, good stuff. All right. You want to go to uh, next question, John? You want to go to Bryce? Me again. You again, my friend. (laughs) Keeping you working today. That's how we roll here. Okay. Uh all right, Bryce says, hi, guys. My iPhone 4S running 6.1.3 has started doing weird things. It shuts itself off at 57% battery life or thereabouts. The sign to charge then displays on the screen. After a small charge, all is good and battery percentage is back up. Okay, iPhone 4S. I want to keep that in mind here. All right, last night I let it run all the way down until it switched off. This morning I plugged it into an iPad charger and within three minutes it was showing 99%. Wow, this is great. <laughs> I get the feeling something's up. Thoughts. Uh, cheers from Tasmania. Oh, fun. All right. So, so I sent him one thing. Um, so Apple does have a page that talks about batteries and, and best practices. Uh, Apple.com slash batteries. 
And then you can dig in and there's one about the iPhone. One thing they suggest, and I think I suggested in my response to them, is that, you know, make sure you calibrate the battery uh, so you do get levels that make sense. And typically that involves charging all the way up, down, and then up again, I guess. But it sounds uh, like he would fo- be he would be doing that sort of by default when the it phone sounds dies. like he, he said that already. Well, yeah. well, he said this last night. I let it run all the way down until it switched off. So that is part of the calibration process. And then I started charging again. But based on what he based on what he said, I mean, just the fact. I've dying seen after 50, it, it dying after 57 percent. I'll hand to you, Dave. But yeah. the. the the, the 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 symptom to me that got it is if it's saying 99% after only plugging it in and i don't think it's a problem with it being an ipad charger and the chargers typically charge at the best rate they can they won't you know blow something up by putting too much current into it right um th- th- that was the other thing i'm like you know is is there something weird about this charger so i don't think it's the charger uh, my advice was you know take take the whole deal to you know an apple specialist or apple store uh, I'm not sure if they have one close to you, but I seem to remember looking for Tasmania and there was at least a specialist somewhere. So, um, but Dave, I think you hit upon it. I, I, I'd love to, I saw, I'd love to jump into this, but I, uh, but that's why I wanted to be specific about the device and the battery. But I think you, you had a suspicion based on what's happening here that, that uh, I haven't seen on an iPhone, but I've seen on other devices. So yeah, go. I had an issue with, with an, a MacBook pro at, at some point where it would get to, it would, you know, charge up to a hundred and then get down to a certain number. And mine was in the, in the sixties and it would just die. No warning. No, we're close to the end that, you know, the, the, all the uh, metrics that you could check on the battery, all the stats would report that it still had current, which means the battery was reporting that it still had current. And then to everyone's surprise, including the batteries, it would just stop spitting out current. And uh, and of course, then the machine would die. And and it sounds like exactly the same thing here. And what it turned out to be was a bad cell inside the battery. Now, I don't know enough about the iPhone batteries off the top of my head here to tell you if they have how you know how they're organized. And but my guess is it's similar and that there are cells inside there. And, you know, one of them and they and they work in line kind of down the line. And when it hits this cell and says, "Okay, I'm done with, you know, the second cell, I need juice from the third one. The third one says, yep, here I go, and then delivers nothing. And so the second one stops because it's out, and boom, you're done. So uh, the short answer, bad battery. Got to take it in. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's, well, it's it's not under warranty. Well, it might be if it's a 4S because you can still buy those new. So, or, or what I've seen is battery issues are typically handled different. Well, especially if it's a bad battery, if it's battery failure, because a lot of times they kick it back to whoever made the battery, say, dude, your battery sucks. And, you know, we have to yeah. fix another phone. So, um, yeah, my, my only head scratcher is does the iPhone batteries that have more than one cell. I mean, internally it does. And typically these are, are you know, cells similar like uh, or from what I've seen with a lot of them, unless they do a custom thing, which I know Apple does in some of the other devices. But a lot of times it's just these individual cells that look like regular batteries and they're just, you know, hooked up in series. Yeah. Uh, like double A's or something like that. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if one is defective, then the, the charge level and the voltage and while well, the power management chip is all confused now, it's like, <laughs> wait, I'm seeing this, but I'm seeing this and it, it doesn't know what to do. So you yeah. can do the battery yourself. Um, there, there are places you can buy them. I, off the top of my head, well, I would check, I fix it for that kind of stuff. Um, and then also check tech restore, uh, if you want to send it in somewhere to get the battery replaced, uh, they can they can well, they can tell you their price and it's probably going to be cheaper than Apple, assuming that Apple won't do it for free for you. But that's the first stop is 
see if Apple's going to do it for free. You've been, uh, Skylar, you've been having battery problems with your iPhone 5 that we just got back in December. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, so you, but yours, yours actually goes down to zero, right? Yeah. Well, what happens is like it, the battery just burns like really, really fast. And even if I'm not using it, it like yesterday it was plugged in and I unplugged it and I was on it, but I wasn't really on it. It was just sitting there while I was making breakfast and it was down to 70 after like an hour. So then I had to replug it back in and it has happened before where after I've charged it like once at night and then I'm using it again after it's been charged up to like 60 or whatever, it'll get down to like 20 and won't give me a heads up or anything and then it'll just shut down. And then it comes when I and that hasn't happened in a while. But what usually happens now is I it goes all the way down to zero and dies. And then when I plug it back in, it pops right back up to like. 20 or like 40 sometimes. So it's like it didn't huh. actually die. Oh, yeah. you may have a bad battery too. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, you know, and, and actually for, uh, for Bryce as well, my advice, knowing how Apple's going to deal with this, uh, the first thing you want to do before you even bring it in is wipe your phone clean and don't restore it from a backup, you know, set it up from scratch, which totally sucks. I know. I, cause I want to do it to mine before I go to WWDC next week. And I'm like hesitant because, because it sucks, but I've been having, you know, not quite the battery issues that Skylar has, but um, no, we both need to do it, but we both need to do it. Yeah. And, but Apple will not replace your phone until you've gone through this, especially when it's one of these kind of, you know, problems that could honestly be some, you know, rogue app in the background. I know when I have Skype on my phone, it just burns battery in the background all the time. Yeah, Facebook and face and the Facebook app has been been notorious for doing that for us too. So what I've seen is anything that uses location services. Yeah, you'll see that because you see the you know at least on the iDevice you'll see a a, you know icon, a little arrow pointing you know like a compass needle saying okay somebody's using this and I've noticed a lot of times apps that use those because they're probably using three G or GPS. yeah. I mean, if they're always running in the background saying, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> I found those suck the power down like, you know, within a day, at least on an iPhone size battery. Yeah. Well, they it, depending on how they're doing it. I mean, some of them are doing location just by you can tell it that when you go and ask the phone for location, you can tell it how specific you need it to be and how much uh, how aggressive you want it to be. So you can say, Oh, give me the location, but only what you currently have. And if that's just based on cell, fine, don't turn on the GPS chip. But if you have the GPS, great. You know, if something else was just using it and you know it fine, but, um, but, or you can tell it, Nope, I, you know, I'm a navigation app. And so I need up to the minute, you know, burn the battery as fast as you need to kind of thing. Um, my big problem with Skype was that it was leaving, you know, Skype is a, um, opens up dozens of connections and because it's a VoIP app, it's actually allowed to run in the background. It may even be running on your phone. Even if you haven't launched it since restart, it launches itself in the background and, uh, and burns battery cause it's got all these connections open all the time. So Skype can, can do that too. I don't know what Facebook's doing in the background that burns so much battery. Uh, I think it's some location stuff, but shouldn't be doing it as often as it is. But anyway, so there we go. 
All right. Um, one more. Well, well, we'll share a quick tip here, John, uh, because this was this was an interesting story. Allison Sheridan over at podfeet.com shared with us this uh, fantastic little story about uh, about. Well, she had a, a problem. She said her fans were running at 6,000 RPM. They're only supposed to run at 2000. She says, even with only the finder running and activity monitors showing nothing of substance running, I stat menu graphs practically flatlined on CPU usage. Step one, she reset the SMC and then she reset it again because maybe she didn't do it right. And then reset it again and again, still hopeful. Try one more time. Nothing. Step two, reset the PRAM. Do it wrong. So this time hold down the right keys. Still 6,000 RPM. Three, search the internets aimlessly for days. Still nothing. Step four, finally break down and call Apple Care. Do whatever the guy suggests, even if it sounds silly. Sigh when he suggests it's a hardware problem and you'll have to bring it in. Step five, tweet out the problem and what you've tried in 140 characters or less. Wait five minutes. Step six, when several Twitter users, uh, one of them who happens to be blind, suggests that it could be dust clogging the vents, grab a can of compressed air, spray it in every crevice you can think of. Step seven, enjoy 2000 RPM fans. So after several days, perhaps even a week of fighting with her computer, Allison sprayed some compressed air in and uh, now her fans run just fine again. So very interesting. How I'm curious how old this machine that she's talking about is, because I think if you remember, I actually had to replace one of my exhaust fans in my MacBook Pro and I, I saw a little dust, but not enough. Uh, maybe it's maybe I guess there's more dust. Where she maybe lives, maybe she lives like right next door to a sand and loam uh, depot or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they're in the desert or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The desert. Sure. She's that. out in California somewhere, but they have. Yeah, who knows? Well, they've got bad air out there. You know, they got all that smog. and everything. Well, that could be it. But uh, I guess worth mentioning. Yeah, because yeah, actually I noticed uh, when I popped open my uh, toy, which we'll talk about at some point today, um, being about seven years old, there was a layer of dust, but it, it was it was still working fine. Yeah. But all right. And with that, I would like to talk about our first sponsor for today, which is PDF pen from Smile. And uh, and for those of you who don't and, and you, you're going to find out about this at smilesoftware.com slash PDF pen and visit smilesoftware.com in general, too, because they PDF pen isn't the only thing they make. Uh, they make some great utilities. They're good folks. PDF pen is. Yet again, one of those apps that I couldn't live without. It lets me edit PDFs in any way, shape or form. Uh, John, I think you've got some noises happening in your back end there. I don't think that's Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, what, what PDF pen it, it is an all purpose PDF editor. Uh, there's a couple things that you can do with it. I, um, one of my favorite things to do with it, of course, is to edit, um, to put my signature on documents. You know, I, it, all the time I get contracts in and instead of printing it out, signing it and scanning it back in, I just have my signature right there inside PDF pen. And, uh, and I put it right there and, uh, and it works great. Uh, you know, you just paste it right in. You can have it go transparent so that it lets the back of the, the you know, the text on the document sign shine through. And uh, and it's good stuff. It makes it really easy. But. A couple other things that I like to do, filling out forms, you know, signing forms is one thing, but adding all the data into them is another 
And PDF pen makes this easy. Now, sometimes you'll get a PDF that actually has the forms uh, right there in it. Uh, and they're actual forms that you can click on and type. And that's great. But a lot of times they're not. And you kind of have to go through and, and uh, you got to print it and, and do it. Well, no, with PDF pen, you can just put your cursor in and type and it will add the text right on top of the PDF, effectively filling out the forms. And, uh, and the new PDF pen actually will scan through the document if you want and find those places that it thinks those forms are and just let you do it right there. Uh, so that, that part's super handy. Correcting text. If you get a PDF, sometimes I get a PDF from somebody that I got to pass along and I notice a typo. You can go in and you can actually edit the text right inside a PDF right there with PDF pen. And this is true on your Mac and on iOS. It's very cool stuff. And then, of course, you can add images. A signature is just an image uh, in the case that I mentioned, but you can add other images and you can add annotations and all other all kinds of other stuff. Totally awesome. It, it's one of those apps. I probably use it. I certainly use it three times a week, probably uh, every day, uh, most weeks. And it's certainly one of those apps that if I use a Mac for, for a day or more, I wind up putting it on there because I, I just need to use it. So check it out. Smilesoftware.com slash PDF pen. Uh, they do have a free trial download. So that's the place to start. Download it. Convince yourself that it is what you need. And then go buy it. Smilesoftware.com. And uh, it's uh, 60 bucks. Actually, you save yourself a nickel. It's fifty nine ninety five. So Smilesoftware.com slash PDF pen. Go tell them. Uh, go get it and go tell them where you heard about it. And we would appreciate it. And so would they. And with that, John, I want to get to uh, the thing that we've got Skylar here to talk about. Uh, she recently, as I mentioned on a, a show a couple of weeks ago, her jazz band uh, at school went down to Disney World and played. And uh, and she was we were down there at the same time and we saw them play, of course. But for the most part, they were on a school trip. And so she was her phone was going to be, you know, her her connection to us and to the outside world. And and she just wanted to take pictures but, you know, Disney World, water rides, all that good stuff. So uh, it was a perfect opportunity to test out not one, but two cases that keep your iPhone waterproof. And we put one of them on her phone. And then her friend, uh, who also had an iPhone 5, put one on her phone and they checked them both out. And so the uh, the two cases that we checked out were the LifeProof Free and the uh, CDO OBEX, O-B-E-X case. And uh, Skylar, I'll let you uh, start talking about them and then we'll we'll see where to go from there. OK, so I use the life Prey case and life my proof. life proof case and my friend used the Obex and I had started using my case a few weeks before the trip because I don't even remember why, but it was just a good time to put it on. And they were both like they both worked for waterproof. We didn't. Actually, we used them on one ride to take pictures with, like, with the water, but it wasn't really needed. It was just more as a backup, I think. But um, the most that I wanted to talk about was the overall, like, how it was, how easy it was to use other than what it was meant for. Like, how, yeah, how, like, easy your phone was not for just the water purpose. Well, sure. It's a, it's a waterproof case and it does that, but it, by nature of it being a waterproof case, it's going to get in your way or get in water's way. So how much, the, I guess the question you're going to, you want to answer is certainly it keeps the water out, but does it keep you out? Exactly. Yeah. So, so wait, can I see that? 
Yeah, you want this one? Yeah, this is fine. Okay. So um, they were both like really skinny, which I was surprised about because I've seen a lot of waterproof cases that are like huge. So it was nice we could still fit this in a, our back pocket or whatever, um, or in a backpack. And they, yeah, they were both like, and they were easy. Like I think sh- my friend dropped hers, and it was fine. Like we checked it. That's which right. Is they're nice. not only waterproof; they're shockproof too, up yeah. to like six feet. Right? And I, I know the life proof is like dirt proof and everything. I don't know if the Obex. I it, think is. it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had no trouble with anything getting into them at all. Um, and so with music was, I think, our biggest problem with both of these cases, more for the life proof than for the Obex. So with the life proof, the bottom, and you can like look up a picture if you want to see but like the bottom of it is there's a little thing that screws in to where the headphone jack is a seal yeah a rubber stopper kind of thing yeah but it's like plastic and then the rubber on the inside to seal it so then it can be waterproof and it comes with an adapter that is also waterproof so you can listen to music underwater but the problem is if like when you want to listen to music like i would on the bus on the way to school or whatever it's a big hassle to have to unscrew this teeny tiny little piece and not lose it with the adapter. And I did end up actually losing it on the plane home because, like, getting up and stuff to let other people out, you just lose this teeny tiny little gray piece, which was actually really annoying. And I couldn't, if I didn't have the adapter, there was no way at all to listen to music because the speaker through, my phone speaker through the phone was like awful and that goes for both of them okay. it was really staticky it was worse for the obex than for the life proof okay the life proof it was just muted and it was really quiet but the obex like you couldn't it there was no way could you hear when the phone rang or a text message alert came in at least i could hear it on the life proof um the obex i don't know but my guess would be yes because it was like you could hear it but you it could was hear awful. okay just bad quality yeah yeah, and the the I guess uh, for those of you that can't see this at the moment, and that's everybody, but Skylar and I, uh, the adapter is uh, the that when when you unscrew this little rubber stopper from the headphone jack, there, there's a headphone adapter that then screws in, and it has to be this adapter. What Skylar was saying is, you know, you you can't. Maybe you could fit the Apple uh, adapter. No, you, you couldn't even fit, fit the Apple no. earphones in. Okay, so no headphone adapter would fit through the bottom of this case, except for the LifeProof one, which then gave you a plug on the outside of this thing. And it was it's what about five inches long here. Yeah. So you screw it in. Yeah. So it's not. Um, it it's, uh, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. But the but Obex the was different. Obex, yep. Um, what there were actually some problems with this. I didn't mention to you because huh. I kind of forgot. But um. So hers was the Obex was like rubber covers over everything that still sealed it, but they were way easier to undo than the life proof. So she all she had to do was like flip open the rubber piece and then she could stick her headphones right in without any adapter. That's which awesome. Was great. And the rubber piece stayed on the phone. It was just a flap. Well, no. Oh. All the rubber pieces could come off, like you see right now. They're in the case. Oh, okay. Um, and she actually disassembled it for you because she didn't know if you wanted it or not. Sure. But she lost one. It came with an extra, so there was no problem. But the plane ride down, she lost it. <laughs> um, again, like 
these cases should come with stuff that stays attached to them so this doesn't happen. Because what if I had lost it on the way down? Then it's completely useless. Right. Like, right. Because I didn't even want to keep it on because um, after I came back, like, I planned on it, but it's completely useless. Like, I'm more worried than I'm going to, like, put it in water and not notice. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's just that one little spot. Um, but yeah, this, the Obex was definitely easier, easier to use, um, music wise, except for the fact that the little rubber pieces would have fallen off easier than the life proof because the life proof was at least screwed in, Yep. but the life proof was smaller. So I really don't know which I would say is better if and, they're either of them. And price wise, I think, um, the MSRP on the life proof is 80 bucks and on the Obex is 70. I think. Yeah. yeah. So they're basically the same. They're, yeah. Effectively the same. Yeah. So. And then on this on the Obex, there's a little more rubber on it, which like wasn't bad in her case. But if like I know when I have rubber cases with like dogs and stuff, they get all hairy and covered with stuff. And that the life proof is completely plastic. Yep. So that's I think that's why I took the life proof and she took the Obex because <laughs> I didn't want the rubber. Because you got first pick. Yeah. Okay. And I put it on before her. So. Right. I like the feel of the Obex one. I it, do too. It feels better. Yeah. And it's a lot less blocky. I, I think it feels less bulky. I mean, putting them side to side, they're pretty much the same size. But they're real. I mean, considering these key, these and cases will keep water out. They're really thin. The Obex is skinnier. It is. Okay, I'll believe you. Yeah. Okay. So, John, you you've had experience with the older versions of the LifeProof cases, right? Um. Well, it's still in the box. <laughs> I oh. like to look at it. The, no. The the one question I have though is I have had this experience. Not with the life proof case, but with other cases in general. Um, Skylar, how easy was it uh, to both apply the case and remove it? Um, I asked, but some cases that I've looked at, they're they're very nice, but some of them, I I, I was almost afraid I'd break them. Not, not so much putting putting the uh, device into the case, but then taking it off sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's not entirely obvious. And some of them, again, I was afraid I would break them. Mm -hmm. uh, not so much a life for it, but, but how was the, how was that experience with the, the, the ones that you looked at? Um, so for both the Obex and the life proof, it was the same sort of idea where it, they were both really easy to open. Like I was worried too, that I was going to break the thing cause it is tight, but all you do is you pop the bottom where, it, where you ch charge it. Um, cause that has like a, clip mm -hmm. so it, it doesn't get water in it and then you pop that and then for the life proof the whole case just kind of unclips from there and it was really easy and we had to do a water lock so we just locked the whole case like the phone was in it and submerge it in water for an hour so that to kind of test it and um that worked the first time for both of our cases and then mm -hmm. we just put our phone in and it was really easy like it didn't you did it to put it on, but to take it off, all I did, like you weren't even here. I just popped it off and yeah. it was really easy. It's good. Yeah. It, you know, with summertime coming up, I, you know, we've got these cases here. It mean, it would mean I have to take off the glass shield that I have on my phone, obviously. Um, and I'm, I'm really attached to that. I have that clear protector one and you've got that on yeah. your phone now. I love it. And yours, you do not have uh, any bubbles on this, right? No, I have not seen any bubbles on this. It's amazing. You know, we've used quite a few of these um, it, it, shifting gears a little bit here, John, you know, moving um, to the, the, the shields that 
we all like to put over our phones. There's the plastic ones that we've had uh-huh. forever, right? The, you know, the ones made of the stuff that they put on helicopter rotors or whatever, but a couple of, com- what's that? You said all of us. You oh, don't I, do it. I don't, I don't have one. Yeah. Well, I understand why, because, you know, it's it, like living on the edge. Well, and it also, you know, it's not as clear. It's not as, as a crisp display with, with something on it. And then back in January, um, a couple of companies started pushing out. In fact, even a little before January, but January is when they really kind of hit the market. These uh, glass shields that sit on top of your phone. And I'll tell you, I mean, it's awesome because it's just like having a phone, but you've broken two of them now, Sky. Well, yeah. other people have broken two of them on your phone. Yeah, it's actually funny. I never broke any of them. No, I know. But, um, but you know, it protects your screen. And we've tried all kinds of different ones. And the only ones, the biggest problem that we've had with every one of them that we've tried, except for the clear protector, is that the middle, it's just a piece of glass. You pull off the sticker on the back of it and you slap it onto the front of the phone. Now, you, you polish up the front of the phone to make sure there's no dust on there first, obviously. But it goes on way easier than the, you know, the plastic shields that you had to jump through all those hoops and spray the water and, you know, hold your mouth just right. These just go right on. It takes all of about 20 seconds. And most of that you're spending the time just, you know, uh, with, a, with a cloth cleaning the phone. But once it's on, all these other ones would have a bubble right in the middle of the display. It would it would appear after a couple of days and you could like lift up the corner and then put it on. My phone, the clear protector guys put it on at CES in January. It has been on ever since it has no bubbles. It has no scratches. It has no problems. And I love it. And so I got one uh, to try on Skylar's phone after her, uh, her uh, life proof case came off and it's awesome. It went on easy. I, you know, I thought maybe there was some magic with the way the clear protector guys did it. Uh, So I wanted to be able to do it myself and I put it on and it's been flawless. I mean, it was a one one shot deal and absolutely no bubbles. And I asked the guys at Clear Protector, why? You know, how come yours are so much better? And they said, oh, if you look at it in the right light, you can see ours have like, you know, uh, there's like all these little dots on the bottom of it. And it keeps the surface from being too smooth. And it's the too smooth surface that allows the bubbles to develop because it doesn't stick. And uh, he said, so, you know, we, we did that and you can see it and you, you know, the proof's in the pudding, so to speak. But can I say a problem with it? Yeah. Um, so the button that comes with it where you can like stick it on so that it's easier to hit your home button. Um, I keep my phone on in class and just in do not disturb mode and I have to start turning it off because I just keep it like face down and it'll hit Siri or voice control or whatever you have all the time because the button is raised up and it like feels really cool because it's like rubber and stuff, but it's not flat or like digged in like the home button is. So it's so annoying because if it's in my back pocket, it'll hit the home. It'll hit Siri all the time. Yeah. So because you're putting this piece of glass on your phone, uh, the home button is way too recessed. There's a hole for it, but it's way down there. So all of these companies that do this, they, they give you a little, uh, you know, a sticker essentially to put on the button to raise it up a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, the one that comes with the, the, uh, the clear protector case is it, it, as Skylar said, is makes it, the sticker makes the button higher than the top of the case feels great, but I've had the same problem where it, Mm. it, Pop Sirion. So we've got other ones from the old cases. So we can pop yeah. that off on yours. And, and they one sell of the them like on. cute ones too. Of course they like, do. Like I've, I was, I didn't really understand what they were until I got the glass case and then I kind of understood mm. it. 
Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm struggling with the whole using the phone in, in the classroom thing. Using the phone? Sorry. <laughs> or watching the phone to be accessible and, and bad oh. things happening. Okay. Well, I don't like to turn off my phone because if they, like my parents text me or whatever, or if I have to use it for a calculator or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Just kidding. No, if she puts it face down though, like for on her desk. Yeah, and then, it'll, no, it is it is a, a flaw in the design of the uh, the case that it's that easy to distract yeah. the phone. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good question. I asked. But I'm I with, asked the same no, question. No, I'm, I'm I'm with you though. I'm actually with you. Is a uh, almost everybody should have their phone with them. For yeah, that's the reason I bring things. it to school. I wouldn't bring it if they didn't tell me to. That's true. You started bringing a phone to school at our insistence years ago. Kindergarten. No, yeah. first grade. First grade. That's right. And Dave told me a wonderful story, which, yeah, well, we won't share with everybody, but. <laughs> we're yes. Pioneer. Excellent. That's right. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Skylar. I appreciate that. You, uh, you can hang out with us for, for the rest of the show, or you can, you can head back to the house and do all that homework I know they gave you. So it's your choice, but thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's cold up helpful. here, so I'm probably going to It's go. too cold? It's freezing. I'm What's cold. the temperature? We, we turn on the AC. What? It's 74. I'm, my feet are frozen. Feel my foot. Wow, your feet are cold. I know. All right. I try to keep it, you know, I don't try to keep it too cold in here, but I like it to, uh, you know, we don't want to fall asleep while we're podcasting. 74? Yeah. I got the AC on 77 here, and that, that's good enough for me. Otherwise, it'd be... Yeah, I just cranked 90. it up to 76. I don't know. It just, you know. Maybe I'll stay, and I'll leave later. That you may do. <laughs> did I crank? I did crank it up. Okay. You may be entertained. All right. Maybe. Where are we, Dave? All right. Uh, Eddie had a, uh, had a fun little thing, John. Oh, man. Why do you do this to me? What? You keep throwing... <laughs> you know, he... Listen... You you whine at no. me if you don't have enough uh, of your, your ones in the show. It's like, you know, it's like I'm putting together a set yes, list for a band and it's like, hey, do I get to sing my songs? It's no I in team. You mm. just do what we need, what's best for the show. But there is me in team. There is a oh, me. I yeah, me is is the most important part here. But anyways, <laughs> this is awesome from Eddie. Hey, Pilot Pete, Dave and John and uh, Skylar. Wow, I don't believe he got that. But I found a new use, at least to me, for FaceTime. I don't know if your listeners will be interested in this. No, they will be. But you personally may be able to use this tip. I own a 110-year-old house. My feedback to him is mine is. Mine's about 100 years old. 1920s. But anyways. Um, so I constantly have projects to work on. Uh, homeowner improvement. Right now, I'm remodeling the upstairs bath that probably hasn't been touched since the 40s. It still has the original clawfoot bathtub in it. Anyways, I was wiring in a new switch for a light and trying to figure out which circuit the bath was on since the breaker box, which is in the opposite side downstairs outside of the house, is not what you would say labeled. Um, and I think we can cut it off right there. I, right. I think I got the we got the essence of it. So this gentleman owns an older house like I do, and uh, for anybody that's a new house sometimes it may be a mystery as to uh the, the especially houses like this uh, if if they're actually using like old fuse boxes or something but anyways here's the problem so you got a fuse box it's got circuits what are they connected to i don't know so how can you tell this remotely and i i think basically what eddie suggested and uh, i think we both concur here dave awesome use of facetime so if you have one or more devices that can do facetime why don't you set them up 
in the area. <laughs> like, say you have a fuse box and you don't know what light or lights or circuits it connects to, but you need to figure this out. Well, put your device running FaceTime in that location, then go back, uh, get another device, uh, presumably either a, another iDevice or a computer, and watch the camera and then turn the circuit breakers on and off. Voila. It's like a robot, dude. It's awesome. Now I think I like I, it. Yeah, when I was reading Eddie's email, it was like, oh, I know where he's going with this. And sure enough, yeah. Yeah, he just set it up so he could see when the light came on or went off. Because I have had knows. this happen, which is uh, I've been in my basement, especially like most people get a new house. It's like, what fuse really hooks up to whatever? I mean, the scribblings on the on the fuse panel or whatever technology you have are like, uh, oh, sure, whatever. <laughs> but if they're old <laughs> and I've had to try to figure this out, I'd be in the basement. I'd be turning things on and off. And I'm like, all right, did I uh, either I'd have to run to the part of the house where I thought the fuse went to see if something went on or off or. Yeah, well, no, this is, this is the right way to do it. Awesome. Oh, it's great. Very, very yeah, I, I love it when uh, we realize that these devices in our pockets have all the technology to solve a problem in a really creative way. And we just need to realize it. So yeah, thank you, Eddie so much. What a, what a fantastic, uh, what a fantastic use of the technology uh, totally saves you from, you know, for me, I had to have kids in order to do this. And I send, <laughs> I send, you know, one of them down two stories and the other down three. And then we, we, we get the yelling chain going between us and is the light. Well, off? Why do you need the kid? I mean, well, well the kid needs to carry the device. Well, now Once it's there. But pre-device, it has- we had to have kids so that, you know, you could yell down, hey, is the, is the light on? The other kid yells to the other kid, is the light on? And you hear, yeah, the light's on. Yeah, the light's oh, on. Oh, I don't want to say the advance would be getting walkie-talkies, and that would well, advance yes, you to the next stage. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but of course, your iDevice with a camera and a mic. That's sure. it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, our second sponsor for this show is Audible. And uh, and you're going to want to visit them at audiblepodcast.com slash MGG. And the reason you want to visit them at audiblepodcast.com slash MGG is because that is the link that will let you get a free starter book. And it's not it's I, I should say this a different way. A free book to start. It is a free book. It is any book. Uh, and you get to keep it whether or not you continue with a paid subscription. So, uh, so visit audiblepodcast.com slash MGG. Now audible, uh, they've been around forever. Uh, they were the pioneers of audiobooks. They've been doing this a long time. They have well over a hundred thousand books out there. I think it's closer to zillions, uh, as I said in the last show, but, uh, I, I believe so. Yeah. It's like a hundred thousand, somewhere between a hundred thousand and a zillion. Uh, it's, it's right in that, in that okay. range there. Right? I thought that, I heard you say zillion. Got it. I, I, yeah, but hundred thousand and a zillion. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so they, uh, but what they do is, is they take uh, all these books and bring in professional voice actors to read the books. And actually sometimes they bring in the author of the book to read the book. Uh, and you get to hear a little sample. You go to audible's website and you find the book that you're interested in and they have all kinds of different books. And then you press play and you can hear a little snippet so you can decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way this person reads or, whoa, no, not, not for me. Uh, let me find something else. And sometimes you'll find the same book with, with multiple people. I've seen that. Uh, and it, like I said, all kinds of books, fiction, obviously nonfiction comedy is one of my favorite things to get because it's great for those long car rides home after gigs. 
uh, romance novels, you name it. You're going to find these out there and they're really great, not only for long car rides, but uh, but, you know, you could listen to them at the gym. You can listen to them while you're walking. You can listen to them on your commute each day. And it's kind of a nice way to uh, to book in the day back and forth when you don't have a Mac geek cab to listen to, because we only do this once a week. So for the other nine times that you're commuting, right, 10, five, two, one for Mac geek cab, nine left, uh, you listen to Audible. And uh, so, John, now that we've told them what Audible is and how to find it, audiblepodcast.com slash Mac geek cab. Uh, sorry. I think I'd get this right. Audiblepodcast.com slash MGG. Uh, now that we've told them how to find it, John, do you have a book that you might suggest? You're assuming that I'm paying attention here, but I am, Dave, because Audible offers a lot of good stuff. And the one that I found, Dave, which may not surprise you, well, those of you who know me and follow my tweets and know what I'm into, but Dave, I found this awesome entry at Audible. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the primary phase, dramatized. Though they spelled it wrong, D-R-A-M-A-T-I-S-E-D. I'll have to talk to him about that. No, sounds I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That is the English, uh, some would argue, proper English spelling of the word dramatized. But basically, this is a remix of the original BBC broadcast, which is where... Uh, really this started for the most part was a radio program. So the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams, he, he was a, uh, was it Apple fellow or Apple creative? Uh, but anyways, he was actually recognized by Apple as, as being a really good guy. Yeah, he was. Um, but anyways, this is, uh, uh, I believe, uh, fits one through six, they call it. So it's basically, if you want to learn about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which a lot of people, a lot of computer and sci-fi types are, are really into, um, this I say would be the place to start. That's so awesome. It's remastered from the original, which I bought the original date, believe it or not, on cassette tape and then digitized it. I think, and I still have it on my Mac, but I should probably get this one because it's remastered. So it's like, you know, the best audio quality you're going to get uh, for this. So, awesome. Well, I will add one in John, and I believe this is a book that mm. I recommended as one of our audible spots years and years ago, but I am going to bring it back. Uh, it's a fantastic book. Skylar just read it, I think a couple of years ago and, uh, and a movie's coming out. So you want to hear the book before you watch the movie. Uh, Ender's game by Orson Scott card. One of the, you know, uh, top in the top of everyone's list for, uh, for sci-fi books. This is, you know, Orson Scott Card's got a way of writing. I mean, yes, it's sci-fi, but it's really, you know, all about the characters and just a fantastic book about children uh, in the future uh, or in some alternate, uh, you know, parallel reality where things are much, much different. Uh, excellent book. Highly recommend it. And uh, and what a great, uh, you know, listen to it now. And then uh, I think the movie, when does the movie come out? Do we know? I um, I think it's next year. I think we've still okay. got a while. I'm yep. waiting All patiently. Right. Well, there you go. Yeah, we're waiting as patiently as we're allowed to. Yeah, that's right. Well, they've been trying to make that movie for, uh, they say that it's going to hit theaters November 1st, 2013. So you've got, you've got time, get the book now, listen to the book, listen to Hitchhiker's Guide. And then come November, you'll be all stoked up and ready to go. That's early. I thought it was going to be later than that. I know it's going to be the blockbuster hit of Christmas, Skylar. I bet it will. Audiblepodcast.com slash MGG 
is uh, is the place to start so that you can get uh, Ender's Game or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for free. That gives you your test. Uh, it's a two week free trial of, of Audible. But again, that that first book that you get, you can keep forever uh, and listen to forever. That's not limited by the two weeks. It's just the, the two week trial of Audible proper uh, is uh, is is what you get. So there you go. Audiblepodcast.com slash M G G. All right, John, let's um, let's talk about Irving. Irving Are you has make the, do more stuff. All right. We'll do Alan then. Why? Well, yeah, no, no I'm, I'm up with Irving. All right. Go. We wanted to talk about this at the last show, but we couldn't because That's right. time was of the essence and it ran out. That's so, right. Irving says, I have a MacBook Pro with a full complement of four internal drives. I back up these four drives every 24 to 48 hours using SuperTuber. SuperDuper can easily clone each drive to an external drive and then dismount the external drive when completed. However, the present version running under Snow Leopard cannot remount the drives when programmed to do a daily backup. SuperDuper is working to reprogram their code. Uh, but no, 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 don't, don't, um, don't, don't dismiss that. This is really important. SuperDuper is right, working to Super reprogram Duper their code. Is, all right. SuperDuper is working to reprogram their code to fix this issue, but it has persisted for several months. Mm-hmm. So, I don't so know, it Apple. does. It, it's persisted for a while. It's a mountain lion All thing, right. is the problem. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. workarounds are necessary, right? So, the question is, can you suggest a way to work around this issue? Certainly, the terminal should be able to do this. Uh, to mount external drives a few minutes before the, uh, and yes, it will. And and I did a bit of digging and found something in that vein, and I think that's where we'll deviate wildly no but we'll deviate here because basically so i did find a solution and dave i think found a better or different solution but anyways so i was looking around dave because i really haven't had a need to do this but i was you know again digging deep here and i found a tip and actually it's a utility that i never really have used dave and it's called at so you go to the terminal at yeah and if you want to find out about it, you could go to the terminal and say man space AT. And basically it is a, uh, I don't know if it's using cron, but it, it, it is a Unix utility that lets you basically schedule an event or activity. So. I think AT I stands for automated task scheduler, right? Oh, good. Okay. I, I think that's where AT I like comes it from. Because Okay, but I like it when you type in, I'm basically when you're typing in what you wanted to do, it's almost like an English sentence because it, it really is. So I found a Mac OS X Hints article uh, written, oh gosh, in 2005. So the thing is, this is a, a command that has been in Unix, which of course Mac OS X is at the lower levels, and it's a command that's available. So how you really start it, so here's what I suggested. So the thing is, if you're running this at command, so first uh, the article will talk about a way to enable it because it's normally not in the latest versions of OS X. But if you uh, type in, uh, go to the terminal and type in a line and say AT, remember we say at, so AT, then you say when you'd like something to happen. So for example, you could put in a time like 1 p.m. today or tomorrow. So that's the first part of configuring this at utility. Then the second part is what you would like happen. And now in this case, uh, the uh, 
Hint's article here actually gives a line here. I don't think I'll read the whole thing out here, but it's basically um, a line that will invoke... Uh, hold on. Yes. But it's basically a line that will invoke a utility um, that will then mount to drive. So what you want to do here is that the first line of this utility say something like at now or well at whatever 5 p.m then you hit return and then the next line and this is somewhat specific so it's using not unix but well kind of yeah but it's, it's using disk utility in that what the next line you type is you want to type the following disk till space mount space and then the name of the device for the drive and this is something that you can find when the drive is mounted through disk utility through the, the graphical case, disk utility yeah Right. Yeah. The first, so, so you let, could let me back up a little bit, John, for you here. The the command that, that John's trying to walk you through here. This is what you would type at the terminal to mount this disk. You need to figure out ahead of time what that's going to be. And and again, disk util is the name of the command that you're going to run. Um, and it is the the terminal analog to the graphical disk utility. And and you really again, this is the kind of thing that goes sort of beyond the scope of of uh, something that's well explained audibly. It's much easier to see. So visit this Mac OS 10 hints article. This will walk you through figuring out what that command is. But, but then like John said, you, you know, you, you'd set at, you know, three 30 tomorrow return, then the terminal command, then return. And then uh, I think a control D to get out of it. Is that right, John? Right. And the fun part is that you can do anything here that this just came up as a way. Oh, a way, you know, to schedule anything to happen, assuming you could type it in at the terminal. So, so to me, that was uh, my big takeaway, Dave, was, oh, I really haven't used at ever. <laughs> well, and now I know about it. At doesn't run automatically on OS 10 anymore. Right. You then also and this is in right. the Mac OS 10 hints do, uh, launch control. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do a. You have to modify one of the system files because, yeah, the, the the thing is, I think Apple or somebody shut it off because the thing is, it, it could cause your system to wake up when it shouldn't because this is scheduling things and it's it's telling the Mac, hey, it's time to do something. Wake up. So, um, so I think that's why they may have disabled it based on what I've read. Yeah. And well, it was it's deprecated, right? Because Apple built this thing called Launch D that sort of manages everything. And in fact, launch D could do this too. So once you figure out what that terminal command is, and I'm going to, again, sort of leave that to uh, a more visual uh, learning process. But once you figure out what that is, you can then just tell launch D to do this on a schedule. And my favorite utility for doing that is Lingon. Uh, Lingon lets you manage launch D. It lets you build scripts in launch D and you do it all in a graphical interface. So you can set and check boxes and tell it exactly what you want to do. And in fact, this is how I have solved this problem. And uh, and it's great because I just say, you know, I want to run this command. I want to run it at a specific date. I choose every day. I set the time and I set it to five minutes before I know my backup's going to run because, you know, that's what I want is the disk to be fully mounted by the time the backup starts and I'm good to go. So. Uh, so, yeah, Lingon, that's um, that's one of our it's probably in the Mac Geek Ab Hall of Fame by now. I think it's. Uh, it's one of our favorites. It's good stuff. 
and it uses launch D. So it's totally, you know, sleep, um, friendly and, and all of that good stuff. And in fact, you would be using launch D to run at, wouldn't you? At some point, because a, a lot of the uh, articles said you may want to reboot just to get this to take hold. Yikes. But no, it was fun to see happen. No, you know, I set up a job saying, okay, you know, at, you know, 10 minutes from now, I'm out there drive and uh, here's the device code, which I secretly found from Disutility. And sure enough, it happened. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Um, how are we doing on time? We still have plenty. Well, we have some. Okay. Uh, Alan, we will go to Alan. Uh, Alan has a question. He says, I'm having a super frustrating problem with iTunes match. I've been an iTunes match match subscriber since day one. And for the most part, it's been pain free. That is until the last two weeks when I add music to iTunes. Um, it's usually a new live show. He's a fish fan. So immediately after importing the music, I change all the ID three tags to get everything organized in my system. Because of the way iTunes Match handles this, which is sort of clunky, I've gotten into the habit of turning it off while I'm editing ID3 tags and then turning it on. That way iTunes Match doesn't try to update before I'm finished. It's worked flawlessly hundreds of times for me, but not anymore. When I went to re-enable iTunes Match this most recent time, nearly two weeks ago, iTunes did the normal little steps like always. Then when it got to the point where it was about to start uploading iTunes match grayed out for a few seconds and started over. It was as if I had turned it off and turned it back on again. I kept doing this cycling through the steps and then it would re or it kept doing this and restarting itself. I left it running overnight. No dice. I found a few other people who had this type of issue and I've tried everything I can think of short of deleting my entire iTunes library file and starting from scratch. I've turned off genius. I've turned on genius. I've deauthorized. I've reauthorized. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, Alan, I, I sort of alluded to this uh, maybe a year ago, six months ago. I forget. Um, and I had exactly the same problem, probably caused by doing similar things, returning uh, iTunes match on and off. And I went round and round. It probably went three weeks with Apple support on this. And finally, um, the answer was. Uh, and I'll, I'll put the knowledge base article up, but uh, it was, was to, to recreate my library, which, which sucks. I mean, it, it's just no fun, but, uh, but it was the only way to get this at, at the time. It was the only way. And so it, I went through all the steps to, to re-import my library. You sort of delete your iTunes library and then re-import the, uh, the XML file that, that results. And then it goes through and does all its things. But uh, for me, it was, uh, it left me with a lot of, um, files that it didn't think were on my local machine, but were, but they were in, I, they were in iCloud, uh, in iTunes match. So I had to go through this whole process of telling it to bring these things back down from iCloud and then syncing them up with the copies that I had locally. And it was, you know, probably an afternoon's worth of massaging to get everything right. It duplicated every one of my playlists, so I had to remove those. Uh, but in the end, it 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 all came together, and and I got it working. With one caveat that I'll that I'll explain that we did go through back then because I thought it was important. But we'll go through. Um, once I got it finished, or actually as I was kind of moving down this path, the Apple support people did offer finally um, to 
see if they could get my iTunes match account reset on their end. So it, what had happened was my iTunes match uh, database on my local computer and the iTunes match database in their cloud had gotten so far out of sync that it just couldn't recover. So I needed to, one of them needed to be wiped. And I, the only one I could control of course was my local one. So, uh, so that's what I did, but they can, they did infer that it would be possible for them to wipe it out on their end, which would have been way, way better. Cause I just would have reuploaded and everything would have been rematched and everything would have been fine. Um, but they didn't offer that early enough. So if you are going through this process ever now or in the future, folks ask and be a little bit pesty because they're not going to, it, it took a while. I asked them about this initially and they're like, no, it's impossible. But two weeks later it was possible. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there, that's that the oh. one, what, say, go ahead. I, I, there's one little caveat I want to talk about, but, but go ahead, John. Well, it's very much like our discussion recently about my woes with iCloud. Is that mm-hmm. there is, as far as I know, if you talk to the right people and you say the right things, and, and we've gotten feedback from li- many listeners saying, yeah, if you talk to Apple the right way, they may be able to nuke something in iCloud that will all of a sudden bring everything back into harmony. Right. It's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The so same thing here, right? <laughs> and the, you got to navigate the system, I guess, is the, is the biggest challenge, right? Yeah, you have to. Well, yeah, maybe that was it. I mean, the people that I dealt with were convinced that it was impossible. And then during (laughs) the process became more convinced that it was possible. The impossible became possible. And it was like, okay, how how far can we go down this path? (laughs) Yes, crazy stuff. But, uh, But the one thing that I did go through was... Once I had gotten my iTunes library resynced and all that stuff, I plugged my uh, phone in or I, I went to sync my phone, which was set to do it wirelessly. And it said it was fine with the music, uh, although my music was syncing with iCloud, so it didn't matter. But it was fine with several things like movies and that sort of thing. Apps. It said this iPhone is synced with another library. If you sync your apps with this, it'll wipe out everything. And so it was back to iTunes support. And I said, uh, and they, and they said, Oh yeah, you're going to have to do that. Really? Now wasn't there now, can't you say download purchased apps or was it at a state where that? No, no, it was going to, it was what it was telling me. And this is important because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, what it was telling me was that if I, it had all my apps on my computer and it had all my apps on my phone, but it said, look, we know that your phone is synced with another iTunes library, which was true. It was synced with the iTunes library that existed prior that I wiped out and, and, you know, I had to start from scratch, even though it was the same computer, it wasn't the same, you know, exact iTunes library. So it was saying it's synced with a different library. If you sync with this one, the only way to do that is to wipe out all the apps on your phone and, uh, or all it, not, uh, the only way it said, if you sync with this one, we will wipe out all the apps on your phone and you'll have to reinstall, which means you lose all your data. So that was a scary proposition. And I went round and round and nobody had a satisfactory answer. So I thought, well, okay, this is what I got to do. So I shot a backup of the phone, of course. And then I told it, yep, go ahead. And it took five seconds. And then it realized, nope, you know what? This is the right library. You're in sync. I'm in sync. No apps are going to be deleted. Everything's fine. And that was it. And, <laughs> and, I, and I've done it with, uh, I did it with my, my iPad after that. And it, it gave me the same, you know, scary warning. And I said, yeah, whatever. And it was fine. And I've done it with, I think I, we wound up doing it with, I think with Lucas's 
iPod touch or something. And it was the same thing. It was like warning, warning. It was like, yep, no problem. So it was, uh, it was good. It was, uh, so bear that in mind. If it gives you that warning, it might not be as bad as you, uh, as you thought. So that's that. We have time for, you know, we've got a couple of tips here, John, that uh, especially, you know, that I want to do actually, you know what? Skip the tips. I want to do Charles because that that's a question we get asked all the time. So before we wrap up today, would you would you do Charles's question for us? Uh, why are you doing this? <laughs> Charles, here is Charles. No, he's here. He's here. I know. Got him. It's good. We can give people a, a little Charles. break. You know, we've, we've, we, we, we give a lot of information. You're not giving me a break, man. Well, that's you aren't, you don't deserve a break yet. You, you get a break after the show, but the listener, you know, needs to absorb. <laughs> so we have a little levity, a moment of, of, of brief pause and then back in with the good stuff. So from Charles, Charles, right? Yes. yes. Hi guys. A while back, I believe on program 446, I heard the two of you discussing the benefits of defragging and of onyx which I've been using on my Mac for many years. John made the comment that he uses Drive Genius Drive Pulse. I checked the website and liked what I read about the program, particularly because I felt my 2009 mid-year MacBook Pro needed defragging. I wrote of the program, found that 45% of my hard drive was fragmented and let Drive Genius do its job. I've been satisfied with the program ever since, including it's in the background defragging involving consistent check and verifying preferences. My question is, is Onyx redundant now that I have Drive Genius? And I would say no, Dave, in that I, I see them serving two very, well, maybe overlapping, but, but system integrity checks here. So what I see Onyx doing, uh, my, my Dave, Onyx uh, provides a nice GUI to things that are already happening underneath or should happen underneath and maybe have not. And it gives you a nice way to invoke them. Um, everything that Onyx does, you can do from the terminal, uh, but it just gives you a nice way of organizing it and figuring it out and, you know, making sense of it. Like, do, you know, should I do this or not? Uh, so to me, that's the big value in Onyx where, whereas drive genius, especially drive pulse to me, that's a like kind of a background Thing that's happening to warn you of impending doom if it should happen and it's doing things that the OS and uh, well some other tools will but but they you know they're kind of unique in that you know so they're both checking the integrity of the drive but also looking at the fragmentation which uh, to me I think is is somewhat unique to them and that the, the maybe other utilities that I haven't really used do this but they will do a, a you know in occasional check and say hey is the drive a mess oh okay well i'll let you know it's not going to force it but it'll tell you about it so so i really see that the, the, there is a division day between you know what what these two do and i i wouldn't i wouldn't say running one precludes use of the other no i you i see them as you'd be using both i agree they're they're complementary apps in fact they do if they do anything in common it's not much um i i you know they well, Drive Genius do permissions. It might. Um, I, I, I. But I. It's. I think they do a cursory, you know, drive integrity, and they may they may run something similar to, and and they can, in the full package. But I don't know if their monitoring utility will necessarily do that. Maybe it will. 
Yeah, it might. But otherwise, they're very, it's very different. I, I think of Drive Geniuses doing things at the not the hardware level, but the file system level, um, whereas Onyx does things more at the OS level. It, it's you know, it's doing the, the permission stuff. Right. It cleans the caches. It you know, if there's it. But but you kind of need Drive Genius first to make sure that there's no um, structural problems with the file system. And then you can go and clean up the files and, 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 uh, and all those things sort of that sit on top of it. So I see them as, is really kind of targeting two different layers, very complementary. Um, and of course, you know, when we say Onyx cocktail fits right in there. Um, also Yasu is, is one of my new favorites, yet another system utility, uh, that's also free, uh, from Jim Mitchell, I believe. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. There's, there's good stuff out there. So yes, that's Charles. Um, all right. Do we have one more quick thing, right? Looking at the time. Yeah. So, uh, one quick thing, I will play this little comment uh, from show 447 just to get this, uh, this done. It was such a simple thing and I'm shocked that neither one of us nor people in the chat room thought about this. So here we go. Hi guys, John from Wisconsin uh, calling. Referring to episode 449 uh, regarding virtual memory, uh, I don't know about Onyx, but I'm sure it has the same thing. But I use Cocktail because I like to support it. It's a, it's a good program. Um, if you go to, a, at least in, in Cocktail, if you go to Tools and you System, then you go to System. Uh, in there, you can uh, go to Memory. And then you can uh, go over there to uh, purge inactive memory. And this will uh, reduce your, it'll cut down your swap files. Now, on a laptop, of course, in that VM folder, you don't have, or you got your sleep images. Obviously, it won't clear that out, but um, it does work. I find that I have to use that a lot uh, after running um, Fusion. And because uh, it, it'll uh, take it up a lot. Kind of fill that up a little bit for the swap files, but just thought I'd pass along, and I will not get caught. Bye. All right, so I confused both of John's comments, but that one actually fits right in with the the Drive Pulse uh, and and Onyx and Cocktail discussion. So now we will play his other comment, and I believe it's the same John, but it's listener John. Either way, hi guys, John from Wisconsin uh, calling. Referring to episode 449 uh, regarding virtual memory, uh, I don't know about Onyx, but I'm sure it has the oh, same no, thing. No, that's the same comment, isn't it? All right. He had an excellent solution. John, we were talking in show 447, I believe, uh, about using parallels and how it was frustrating to you because you would double click on, on something and it would launch inside parallels. And we said off the cuff, yeah, there's got to be some preference setting. And everybody sort of agreed. Yeah, I've, I've turned that off. But no one could remember quite exactly how and it didn't really matter. And uh, and listener John chimed in. And I'm sorry that I don't have his uh, his comment here uh, about how to fix that. And uh, and maybe I do. Hey, fellas, this is John from Anomaly Falls. And uh, on episode 447. Uh, John was confused about Parallels opening up some of his apps. When he was clicking a file, well, there's an easy way to get rid of it. It is not in Parallels. It is in the Finder. So just like you would change the association 
with any other file by looking at open with uh, via the finder under get info. Um, you can uh, pick the Parallels app or you can pick the Mac app. So I'm sure you know how to do it from that point. Don't get caught. Thanks. Sorry. So that was not. Uh, yeah, that was listener John. So thank you. That's uh, I'm glad I found the audio comment. It always makes me feel better to let the listeners say it in their own in their own voice, John. Um, so, yeah, you just highlight the, the document or the whatever it is that's opening inside parallels and change your uh, open with setting right there in the finder with get info. Doesn't get much simpler than that, does it, my friend? Did I lose you? Are you still there, John? No, I'm still here. I found another. Actually, in Parallels, I found the Magic uh, Preference, which, of course, I don't have in front of me right now, <laughs> that basically did the same thing. It would eliminate them from the contextual menu in OS X. Okay. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another... The end? Mac Geekab. Yeah. I thought it was just the beginning. <laughs> it's only getting started. All right, uh, let's see. We have, uh, well, if you want to get in touch with us, you want to send us an audio comment, a text comment, screenshots, videos, whatever it is you think you want to send us, you send that to feedback at com. And if you didn't hear Dave, because it's very hard sometimes, that you want to send that to feedback at com. Did you hear that address, Skylar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> feedback at com. That's right. Always three times. That's right. Uh, you can also call us, if you prefer, at 206-666-GEEK, which is, John? This week, 4335. 4335. You can see the show notes that are lovingly handcrafted at MacGeekGab.com. We build them. We sort of build a skeleton of them during the show, and then John goes and uh, digs in deep and really flushes them out. And when he finishes flushing those out, he lets us know. Uh, by tweeting, Bye, uh. yes, by tweeting, by Facebooking, uh, John, tell us about uh, where where they might find out about that and more on Twitter, Facebook, facebook.com slash MacGeekab is one place you can learn about new show notes or updates or other show news, and the other places on the Twitters. And if you go to Twitter, the show is MacGeekab. I am John Brun. He is Dave Hamilton. Location is Mac Observer. Oh, and Mac Ecap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Twice. That's sort of the, Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Full and for those of you who are premium members who qualified for the first round of gifts, you, you will be getting an email from us this week. Uh, it's time. We, we are close no. enough to being ready to ship that it is time for us to uh, confirm that we have the right address on file for you. So uh, so you'll get, be getting an email, and uh, uh, John's actually going to handle that part of it for us, which we so... Uh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You got an email from me about how to do all, all of that, so you're going <laughs> to no, no, no. <laughs> take care of that. The, that went right into the spam. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I saw it. I yeah. saw it. You saw it go into the spam, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Uh, so that, hopefully, that'll you, you'll get that, you'll either get that, you may have already gotten it before you listen to this show, because it's, you're going to, they're going to go out by Wednesday, hopefully, uh, you're going to have gotten back to us with any changes by next Monday, June 10th, and, uh, and then that'll let us really start pushing these things, these, uh, these gifts out to you, which is, which is what we want to do, it's what we all want to do, so, uh, that's what's happening there, and with that, I think it's time to, uh, well, we want to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for 
converting this and all of our shows to AAC. He's also running getappler.com, G-E-T-A-P-P-L-R.com. That'll be Yahoo's next acquisition because they like to uh, have the vowel <laughs> dropped. Yep. Uh, so check them out while uh, you can say I knew them when. Uh, cashfly.com provides all of the bandwidth for uh, getting the show from us to you. We have uh, a podcast marketplace full of some great sponsors. BB Edit from Bare Bones, PDF Pen from Smile, Gazelle.com to sell all your stuff, Squarespace.com to host all your stuff, and uh, Crash Plan to back it all up. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. So, uh, Skylar, at the end of the show, we like to give people <laughs> three, because we, we did the, 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 the feedback thing three times. We'd like to give people three words of advice. Are there any three words that you can think of that you could share sort of maybe life altering advice? That's the foundation of what everyone sets out to do every day. Well, there's many. There, there are many. But I would say don't get caught. Made up.